Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated General Grabber ATX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Volume. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to make every moment more. Then with FanDuel, basketball, football, they have awesome new and existing user promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can get your winnings back in two hours. My favorite, the same game parlays. You can bet five or 10 bucks in 150 bucks or more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get started now. Sign up promo code Colin so they know we and I sent you. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Hi, everybody. Welcome in Thursday morning podcast with Ian O'Connor, great columnist, New York Post, written many, many top-notch sports books, including Belichick, which you got to read if you care about the NFL, and the one on Mike Krzyzewski. The rise and reign of Coach K. Talked about it a lot, had him on. I'm going to bring Ian O'Connor. He's an unofficial member of the staff. Probably half a dozen to a dozen times a year. I love him. Good friend. Uh, But first, fake questions, real answers. Stuff I want to talk about, but don't necessarily want to wait for you to ask me. Dear Colin, do you see yesterday? Kevin Durant brought up an old rant from you back in 2007 where you made fun of the fact that he couldn't bench 185 pounds. You said he was soft and wouldn't make it. Explain yourself. Well, yeah. You know, sometimes it is fun to be theatrical. 
The two players in the NBA that my scouts told me would be great, and I didn't listen to them, Yao Ming and Kevin Durant. I had Mike Dunleavy telling me, Yao, Yao Ming's going to be a multiple-time All-Star. I'm like, he's 7-6. I've watched, how many guys have I watched that are 7-3 fall apart? That was wrong. He was a multiple-time All-Star. Tom Penn, who was running the Blazers, told me, Durant's going to score 25 to 30 a game for over a decade. Eh, I said, he's going to fall apart physically. I tend to be somebody that gets immersed, paralyzed sometimes by body types. Porzingis, Kevin Durant, Brandon Ingram, all legs, slashers, hit the floor, get hurt a lot. I was wrong on KD. You know, I love him as a player. I think it's fun that sometimes I'm absolutely overwhelmingly wrong. Of course, I was right on the Warriors in six. Steph is the MVP. I told you Johnny Manziel would be a bust. So would Jamarcus Russell. Jameis Winston was overdrafted. So was Baker Mayfield and Josh Rose. No reason to talk about those hits, though, is there? No. Dear Colin, are you excited about tonight's NBA draft? Well, for about 20 minutes, the first six or seven picks, that's where a majority of the talent is. Years ago, they had seven rounds in the NBA draft. Now it's two, and you run out of players about 15 in. Listen, it's hard to sell anybody, myself included, on waiting for something great to happen. If I told you, hey, there's this movie, you're going to love it. It comes out in four years. You're going to forget about it. Hey, if you buy this car today, you're going to drive it in three and a half years. Be the best ride of your life. Most of you wouldn't buy it. The NBA draft doesn't give you any urgent satisfaction. Like a comedian, you tell a joke, you get a laugh. But that's not the way it works. It works that way in the NFL draft. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, immediately stars, impact, can get involved in long playoff runs. Jamar Chase helped the Bengals and Joe Burrow get to the Super Bowl. There's a payoff immediately. But in the NBA, because players only spend a year in college, Jabari Smith from Auburn, he's absolutely going to be a nice NBA player, but he's going to go to a terrible team that won't make the playoffs for probably four to five years. So unless I get my NBA package and check out those awful Orlando Magic, I won't pay much attention. The payoff for even players that make it, like Giannis, is year four. He was an all-star. Brandon Ingram, year four. He's an all-star level player. So even if Chet Holmgren is a hit in the NBA, he's 19, he's 7 feet and 190 pounds. I'm 6'2 and 190, and I'm viewed as thin. If you don't give people an immediate or urgent payoff, they wander. Dear Colin, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said he doesn't have the power to get rid of Dan Snyder. What do you make of that? Well... A commissioner needs the support of other owners to get rid of an owner, like Adam Silver had collectively with Donald Sterling, who had, for a lot of reasons, zero allies among owners. Dan Snyder has a few allies. I think sometimes we forget there's about six great everything in the NFL. Right now, there's about six great quarterbacks. You know him. I know him, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford. Oh, you can probably try to insert another one in there, but there's about six. There's about six great coaches in the NFL. I think Andy Reid is a great coach and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. I think Sean McDermott, though Josh Allen certainly helps, is a really good young football coach. Bill Belichick is a great coach. 
There's a couple others, but I think you get my point. There's also, in my opinion, maybe six to seven great general managers. It's the same with owners. Folks, Jets, Texans, Dolphins, Lions, Bears, Washington. These are bad owners. But there's about six great everything in this league. Just like 5% of the top realtors sell 80 to 90% of the homes. Don't think just because a group of people are rich, all of them are brilliant. Dan Snyder's awful, but he's got enough allies for now to remain an NFL owner. Dear Colin, what do you make of Brooks Kepka joining the Live Golf Tour backed by blood money of Saudi Arabia? Well, Greg Norman retweeted one of my rants this week on FS1. So, yes, I feel a little validated. I've had four or five people, including employees at Fox who love golf and worked in golf, reach out and say they agree with me. That feels nice. But everybody is morally flexible, right? Would you take $150 million if it was offered? I'm saying you would and you'd validate or rationalize the reasons why. Our government rationalizes business with Saudi Arabia because in a hostile territory in the world, they're good trading partners. And in that part of the world, we need them. So we rationalize our relationship. Do you know the number one voting group for Donald Trump, who's had over 400 litigations in his career and multiple sexual harassment allegations? The number one voting group was evangelical Christians who rationalized voting for Donald Trump. A grifter, a con, the sleaziest president of all of our lives. That's the way we work. Hollywood is outraged how Elon Musk spends his money buying Twitter. How about you make it before you lecture others on how to spend it? I, in my entire life, have watched people be morally flexible when people offer them opportunities and game-changing money. Could you turn down as we head into a recession and your 401k and stock holdings plummet? Could you turn down $150 million for your family? I'm going to say no, you can't. Our government didn't even slap Saudi Arabia on the wrist for 9-11 or murdering a Washington Post journalist. I'm going to be upset with Greg Norman. Dear Colin, why do you think fans have such a hard time admitting the truth even when data proves they're wrong? Well, usually it's because it makes them feel good. There was a recent study by Northwestern University that Americans spend $50 billion a year on multivitamins and they don't work at all. And you know they don't work because all of our parents told us decades ago multivitamins are just expensive pee. That's what my dad told me and your dad probably told you. But they make us feel good. The commercials are interesting and we want to be healthy and we know we don't work out as much or eat as well as we probably should. So the industry will overcome this study. Dan Gilbert owns the Cavs. He's a brilliant businessman in the mortgage industry, one of the leaders. When LeBron left him, he wrote a letter. He said, LeBron will regret it, and we're going to be way better without him. 
And LeBron will never understand how loved he was in Cleveland, and he'll never duplicate that success. LeBron went on to four straight finals, and he won two of them. The Cavs became the worst team in the league, stockpiling more lottery picks. Dan Gilbert knew you couldn't replace LeBron James. But it made him feel good to write that letter. I ran into an Oklahoma football fan a couple of days ago. He assured me Brent Venables was going to be better than Lincoln Riley, and I assured him that less than 50% of coordinators who get head coaching jobs, and that includes schools like USC, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, over 50% fail. And there's no chance that Lincoln Riley will fail because he won 11 games at Oklahoma, the Pac-12's even a worse conference, and USC easily has the best brand, the best quarterback, and the most recruiting momentum. But it made him feel good to believe that, and that's okay. So you root for the Sooners, you root against LeBron, and you take those multivitamins. They don't work, but I understand why people take them. Dear Colin, as a member of the old media, I can tell by your gray hair, what do you make of the new media led by Draymond Green? Well, I'm actually a fan of it. I believe when I started the volume, I didn't want to age quickly. I've always said I'll probably retire in a ski town or a college town. I don't want to go to Palm Springs, golf, play bridge, and get wrinkly. Surround yourself with young ideas and young people, and you stay younger longer. I like athletes having an opinion. I think it's funny when athletes spar on social media. Yes, Kevin Durant and Aaron Rodgers are a little thin-skinned, but hey, sometimes we're all thin-skinned. The reality with the new media is very few athletes can pull it off. Draymond Green is fascinating, outspoken, informed, and fearless. Most athletes aren't. They have brands to protect, reputations they don't want to tarnish. New doesn't mean everybody can accomplish it. I love Draymond Green, but he's one of one. He's Charles Barkley. We're not going to see a thousand Draymond Greens across sports. He is a unique, outspoken personality, and I love that he's part of the volume. Dear Colin, the Yankees have the best record in baseball. The Mets are really good too, and why won't you talk about them? Good question. And I will, right now, with New York Post columnist Ian O'Connor. This baseball season turned K's into cash. Big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Okay, right now, new customers. Step up to the plate. No sweat first bet. Up to a thousand bucks. Here it is. Sign up, place your first bet. FanDuel will give you, listen to this, up to a thousand bucks back in free bets if you don't win. You get paid fast, it's safe and secure, great promotions every day. No better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Always use the promo code Colin to get the deal. Get you started. It's called No Sweat First Bet, up to a thousand dollars. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. 
permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-HOP P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Firestone. Test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, he's somebody I've admired, read, and respected for a long time. You know him as Ian O'Connor, of course, New York Post columnist. Two of my favorite sports books ever are Belichick and Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. But he also wrote another book, which I haven't read, but it's fitting with our first topic today, Arnie, Jack, Palmer, and Nicholas and Golf's Greatest Rivalry. And... The PGA was so pristine and so beloved, but the world has changed. Lots of platforms, globalization. Somebody eventually was going to throw a lot of money at golfers. This is what UFC did to boxing. They were a disruptor. Boxing was based on greed and too many weight classes and promoters driving the sport. Can I not argue, if we get out of the blood money conversation for a second, is that the PGA is simply simply an organizational arm. These are not employees. They're independent contractors. The PGA doesn't run the Masters, Ryder Cup, U.S. Open, PGA Championship, British Open, the stuff most people watch. And that this was bound to happen among globalization, Amazon, Apple, Saudi money, and that we don't like where the money's coming from, but the PGA, which is a charity, these are independent contractors, some sort of similar situation. The PGA was really vulnerable. Greg Norman's been pushing back for 20 years. Tigers had disagreements. 
Mickelson's been complaining for a decade. That's where I find myself, Ian. If you get out of the blood money argument for a second, that PGA put themselves in a bad space. They've had grumbling golfers for 20 years. Well, Colin, even beyond 20 years, I remember when Greg Norman was threatening to start a tour back in the in the 90s and uh, to compete against the PGA Tour. And without question, when you look at Tiger Woods starting a tournament in his prime with no guaranteed money, starting a season on the PGA Tour with no guaranteed money, nothing more than the 126 guy in the field, at some point, somebody was going to present a model where the stars were paid up front. And it was inevitable. It happened. I, I actually agree with you 100%. The PGA Tour has put itself in position to be challenged like this. Now, nobody loves where the money is coming from. But at some point, that conversation will taper off. And it's going to be the NFL against the USFL. And, and I think who knows who's going to win this, this one, because I think the more name players that uh, Liv takes away from the PGA Tour, that obviously hurts the depth of the PGA Tour fields. And in that sport, really the three players that matter most now are Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas. They don't play every week. So you do need the Brooks Kepkas and the Bryson DeChambeau's and Patrick Reed's to fill out fields for people to come and watch. And those players are now leaving, and, and I think they'll continue to leave. And this is going to be a serious threat to the PGA Tour long term. Listen, you cover golf uh, extensively. Uh, I just read Alan Shipnuck's book on Phil Mickelson, a wildly colorful character. We know about the gambling losses. But um, I've always felt Phil's his own sort of platform. He's his own business. And – I, I look at him like a Peyton Manning who's eventually going to sell that Omaha production company, probably do a network for hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, you know, Phil's not as viable as a golfer. He would have gone into broadcasting or created his own media company. I think I'm less surprised about Phil Mickelson, who has very little runway left. I mean, were you shocked by him doing this? No. I wasn't shocked by it. I, I disagree, certainly, with his decision to do it. And as I wrote in a column a couple of weeks ago, Phil and Greg Norman sort of deserve each other. They've been full of you-know-what for a long time. And, and Nicholson is a great player. He's probably going to go down among the top 12, maybe 10 players of all time. And he, he knows he's not going to win anymore. He pulled that PGA Championship last year out of a hat. And so his winning days are over. He owes obviously a lot in gambling losses. He's talked openly about that being a problem for him for years that he's tried to work on. So I'm not surprised that he did that. I think the bigger threat is a guy like, or even two guys really, but DeChambeau and Kepka. Those are the players that the PJ Tour have to worry about because they're in their prime. When DeChambeau was healthy, Colin, he arguably was the best player in the world. If he gets healthy again, and if Kepka gets healthy again, these are guys who can win majors. Now, will the majors allow them in? I think so. I, I think they should, as much as I'm opposed to taking the blood money. I don't. I wouldn't go as far as banning these players from major championships. And as you noted, the PGA Tour has no control over those championships. So, there's a you know, our football season still about six weeks away before we kind of jump into it. 
And obviously, baseball, both the Yankees and Mets, who have spent freely, are doing very well. Um, and I'll come back to baseball in a second, the New York scene. But, you know, for years and years, I've understood the Bears and the Lions and Washington and Houston weren't well run. I understood the Jets weren't well run. And Stephen Ross had chaos in his organization. The head scratcher for me has always been the Giants. I've always called them the accounting firm of the NFL. Even when they won, they were boring. Even in good years, nobody wanted to talk about them. Almost as a rule, Ian, if you look at the bad teams in this league, some have good quarterbacks, some have good coaches, some have interesting rosters. Cleveland, Jets, Houston, it's all ownership. It's shaky front offices. It's chaos upstairs. I always thought the Maras were well-equipped to handle speed bumps. I look at them now, and maybe this is hyperbolic, I almost insert the Giants into the circus category of the league. <laughs> How are they perceived in New York? I think they were a bit of a joke under Dave Gettleman. How the Mara family, John Mara and the Tishes ever agreed to hand over their multi-billion dollar franchise to him is beyond me. Joe Shane is a different story. I think there's a sense now that the Giants have a plan finally and a guy who can build a program in place. And really over the years, they've been helped greatly by good general managers, George Young, Ernie Accorsi, Jerry Reese stabilize that franchise. And nobody was calling John Mara a bad owner in 2007 through That's 2011 right. when he won two Super Bowls. And really in 2008, that was their best team. Coughlin, Tom Coughlin told me later they, they would have won it all if Plaxico Burris didn't accidentally shoot himself. So he was a good owner when he had a good head coach and a good quarterback. They didn't have that in recent years. And so he's been a bad owner. And, and right now, we'll find out if Brian Dable is a good coach and if he can turn Daniel Jones into a good quarterback. He obviously has the athletic and physical tools to be that. But let's see. This is his final year to get that done. But the Giants, because of the tradition going back into the, the 50s and 60s and Sam Huff and Frank Gifford, and they, they do hold a place in the market that the Jets really don't. And obviously, as you know, the Jets haven't been to the Super Bowl since man stepped on the moon. It's a phrase I like to use quite a bit. And Joe Douglas has given them a bit of a chance here. He had a really, really good draft by yeah. all accounts. And it all comes down to whether or not Zach Wilson is the real thing or if they'll be searching for another quarterback in a year or two. So, But New York football, I have to say, it's been miserable in this market, Colin, when both teams are out of it by Halloween. When the Yankees and Mets are done, particularly the Yankees, then you turn the football and they're done by Halloween. It is, it, it's bleak. So I, I would welcome just one of those two franchises to become relevant again, because it just makes column writing in this market a whole lot more interesting. Well, football has by and large taken over virtually every market in the country, including Boston, where the Patriots reign, uh, sort of put, um, let's be honest, the Red Sox in the back seat of that sedan for many years. Um, but New York's an exception. Um, Steve Cohen goes from Wall Street and has bought Scherzer, um, Lindor, a great roster. Okay, he, it was already potentially good. He pays for Buck Showalter. They go get it. They go get Max Scherzer. They had Degrom. They had some pieces in place. 
You can't do that in the NFL. Dave Tapper buys Carolina. They're still a mess. It just doesn't work that way. But in baseball, if you look at the best teams right now, it's the biggest market in the South Atlanta, the two New York teams, the Dodgers, the biggest market in Canada, Toronto. Uh, it's Houston. It's major cities. The bottom of the sport is Kansas City, Cincinnati, Oakland. It's it's low payrolls. So you can buy your way into baseball. But it, here's what's interesting. I find the Mets more fascinating than the Yankees. The Yankees story is great pitching and the long ball. But I can't, I went and watched three of the four Mets games against the Dodgers. And they're doing it without Scherzer and DeGrom. It's power. It's defense. It's managing. I feel like New York is one of the last cities in the country where baseball is still king. And judging by social media, I know the Yankees have the championships, but there's a special place. There's an underdog thing with the Mets from the outside that feels different than the Giants and the Jets, that there's a big chunk of the city that's into the Mets. And I look at the construct of their team, and I'm not some baseball expert. I think they're kind of built for the postseason. I really do. Your interpretation of what you're seeing with the Mets, um, to be not fully staffed and to go out west and to really compete late innings, beat teams like the Dodgers. I watched those games. It was pretty impressive. I thought coming out of the weekend, they were the better team. Last year, the Mets were in first place for nearly three months. Louis Rojas was doing a really good job as a rookie manager, and I think he'll be good. He's young when he gets a second chance. He's now with the Yankees. But he, the team unraveled after DeGrom went down, other injuries, and it got away. It's not going to unravel under Buck Showalter. He's seen too much. He's been a good manager in baseball for too long, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a Buck Showalter team. I talked to Glenn Sherlock, longtime bench coach, been in the game forever recently, and he said the only manager he's ever seen who runs every defensive meeting and drill, he's like a Belichick, is Buck Showalter. In spring training, during the season, Showalter is on top of every defensive drill and meeting and the Mets catch the ball. They do things you haven't seen them do in the past and they aggressively run the bases and put pressure on the defense to make a play and haven't seen the Mets do that in recent years. And there is a feeling in New York. And I, I remember even back to 86 when they won it all with that great team that New York became a Mets town. It can be a Mets town again. That is yeah, possible. I feel it can. And it was unanimous. Among Mets fans, my wife is a, a person who lived and died with the Mets or died and died with the Mets every night for, for decades. So I, I usually watch about 130, 140 Mets games a year because of that. And it's just for the first time, they hired a manager that was received unanimously as the right pick. And they have an owner for the first time who has a George Steinbrenner budget and stomach for the fight. They've wanted that for so long to have their own Steinbrenner. He's more like George Steinbrenner than Hal Steinbrenner. So <laughs> for the Mets to have that now, the manager that you believe in, an owner that you know will pay to correct mistakes and add to the roster to win instead of to win it all instead of maybe losing in the first round to go out and get Scherzer. Yeah, I think they can win it all. Right now, if the Mets and Yankees met in the World Series, Colin, I think it would be the same result as 2000. I think the Yankees win in five. But if you get Scherzer back and DeGrom can stay healthy, which I'm still shaky on, I think Scherzer will be there in October. I just don't know about DeGrom. 
But if those two guys do stay healthy, wow, uh, they certainly have a chance to win it all. You know, Steve Cohen, again, a Wall Street guy that stepped in, was a passionate Mets fan. There's been, uh, to say the least, some dubious ownership in New York. James <laughs> Dolan, uh, head of the class, uh, Woody Johnson, Johnson family, not great. Um, Cohen appears to be received. Now, some of it's just the success, but he he seems to listen to the fans like he is. It feels like to me he's actually a fan just a really wealthy one. What's your interpretation of him? A really wealthy fan, no question, grew up loving the Mets. I think if you look at uh, his business background and becoming a hedge fund zillionaire, certainly didn't always treat people nicely in his in his business world. And, and I think that's been documented. So I, I don't think he comes in as this knight in shining armor in one sense and in, in another he is because Mets fans, honestly, all they care about is that they have someone who is as invested as they are in the final result and is willing to be to have the top payroll in baseball. And they've just wanted an owner to compete with George Steinbrenner. And, and now they have one who uh, would have done that if George were, were still with us and and is willing, I think, probably to do more than Hal Steinbrenner. And that's what they care about. I think Cohen is a very interesting guy who, right, he acts and feels like a fan. It seems like when they lose, he feels it like a fan does. Yes. And, and yeah, at times that can be a dangerous thing too, but the Mets fan wants that. They want an owner who cares as much as they do. I don't, I know they didn't feel that with Fred Wilpon and, and now they get it with Steve Cohen. And it's a, it's a powerful asset to have as you try to win a championship for the first time since 86. And, and I know Mets fans are, are thrilled to have that on their side. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You know, the Yankees are fascinating because I, 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 I've... Not that I'm cynical of Brian Cashman, but I don't think he was an early adapter to analytics. I never was a fan of the John Carlos Stanton acquisition because they had Aaron Judge for a much cheaper price. But now they're a you know they're a deep ball threat every at bat, and you know it looks like it's working. Cashman has survived personal chaos and criticism. 
Um, they have underachieved in a lot of years. He spent big money on players that didn't work. Um, you know, he's, he talks but doesn't say a lot. He's like the Jeter of front office guys. He doesn't say a lot. But yet he's survived in the toughest city in the country, the t- certainly the most intense baseball media coverage. How has he survived? Allies, friendships, and ownership? Yeah, that's part of it. I'm going to disagree. I usually agree with almost everything you say. I'm going to disagree with the fact that he's the uh, Derek Jeter of, of GM. I, I think he says a lot. On the record, he has said a lot over the years. He said last year, we suck. We stink the high heavens right now. He took ownership of that. He said things that a lot of GMs would never say for the record. He's he's told he has said things even to me in my Jeter book. He he talked about how he basically stared down Jeter in contract negotiations on the record. He told me that he had to go down when Jeter was not treating A-Rod the way a captain should. And he had to challenge him and confront him on that. He had a a dinner with Jeter near the end of his career and told him you better fix your defense or else. And so I think he has said a lot of things on the record. He's told Alex Rodriguez to shut up. So I I think that's one area where I think he actually, his candor has helped him. I think he has been a fighter and he, he has his flaws and he has made his mistakes, but to survive in this market, running that team for a quarter century, I think the fact that he is willing to say things on the record about himself, his own performance, about his team's performance has actually been something that has aided him over time. And that the fan now, listen, Yankee fans have been on him in recent years. They haven't won it all since 2009, which feels like a biblical drought when it's the Yankees. But they're always knocking on the door. They never have a disastrous season. They always have winning seasons. They're always there knocking on the postseason door, if not in. The, The problem is they're not winning in the postseason. So the pressure now is going to be intense as they look like a team that is worthy of comparisons to the 98 Yankees who won 125 games, playoffs included, won 114 in the regular season. They, they face so much pressure, that 98 team, particularly in the Cleveland series in the ALCS when they were down two to one. And they survived it in part because I think they won in 96 and they had that championship DNA and muscle memory, those core guys. This yeah. team is going to win 110 to 112 games. And there's going to be a moment in the postseason when they're going to face it. And they don't have that championship DNA and muscle memory that the 98 guys had. So how are they going to respond to that? What's amazing, Colin, is they might win 110 plus games and only eliminate from their division the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> the three wild cards <laughs> could be could be Tampa, Boston, right? And Toronto and so, and Baltimore is actually not as bad this year as they've been. But if you look at it right now, conceivably, those could be the wild card teams. It'd be hilarious if the Yankees did 110 and only knocked out the Orioles in the process. Finally, I saw that you gave a speech um, to the graduating class of Marist, uh, where you went to school. And I didn't know you went to Marist. I was on that campus. Uh, it's it's on the Hudson, if I recall. It is. Um, it's. I remember driving by it with my wife and it, there was a, I, I, it is Marist. And I said, we got to pull into this. This is unbelievable. Uh, by the way, for uh, anybody listening to me that has never been to West Point or Marist or along the Hudson in the fall, it is the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my life. It's absolutely stunningly aesthetically perfect. Um, so my favorite line ever from a commencement speech is believe it or not from John Bon Jovi, who once said to a class, Outline your life in pencil, 
not pen. Things will change. And I love that line. When making a commencement speech, and I'll, I'll never be asked to do this, nor should I be, um, who did you lean on for that? Obviously, your prose stands by itself. But what, what was the message you wanted to convey to young people? Well, first off, this is the one benefit to going to a small college. You can get picked for things like this. I, I fully realize. And where did you go to school, Colin? Eastern Washington University. Okay. How is it possible they haven't asked you to do a commencement address? At this point? <laughs> well, again, I talk for a, a living on radio. It's not that highly esteemed. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Anyway, so I just wanted to talk to the students. I didn't want to read a speech. I didn't read a speech. It was conversational. It was a one-way conversation, but I wanted them to feel like we were having a conversation and I just wanted to go back to when I was their age. I'm 57 now. So I tried to put myself back to when I was 20, 21. And I remember, honestly, I don't remember a single thing about the commencement address given to me in 1986. So I wanted to just try to have them remember one or two things. And that is that, and I said, there are plenty of people a lot more talented than I am in, in this industry. But I don't think too many people, there are some maybe who, who have worked harder than, than I have. And so I just talked about work ethic and just bringing it every day and having attacking every day with enthusiasm and how, listen, we're not Harvard, we're not Princeton, we're not Yale, but the Marist graduates I know are, are people who do bring it every day. So I, I just wanted them to, to hear that, to understand I was in their position, also to realize that, hey, I fully recognize this thing is not about me. It's 100% about you but just to try to talk to them as if I were their age. And that's all I was trying to share. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, I've said this before is a lot of reporters become columnists and don't spend the time reporting. Um, there's such a joy for me to read a book written by you because the extensive work, I, I'm fascinated by it. Um, the, the, the time you, put in. And I think New York demands that the great columnist, this is why you're always employed. This is why you have so many projects. So as I let you go, what is your next project? <laughs> I think my wife will divorce me if I, if I start one right away here, I, I, I am closing in on one and uh, it'll be about LeBron James and it'll be unauthorized. And so I, I think he's lived an exceptional American life. And so I look forward to, to diving into that. And my understanding is he's probably not thrilled about that, uh, that prospect. But I don't know. I think the people I've profiled in the past, if you talk to them for the most part, would say I've, I've been extremely fair. And no one's lived a perfect life. But I think that at the end of the day, that's really more important to me than anything. I remember you mentioned John Bon Jovi after the Super Bowl when the, the Patriots won their last Super Bowl. I saw him outside the, the New England locker room and he looked at me and I looked at him and I shook his hand and he said, hey, I just read your book on, on Bill. And, you know, Bon Jovi's been one of Belichick's best friends for almost, I don't know, 40 years. And he said, I just want you to know, I thought it was great. I thought you were really fair to Bill. And, and fairness, I said to him, that, that's more important to me than anything. It's just being fair to people. And so he said something to the effect of, did Bill say anything to you about it? I said, John, you've, you've known Bill for 40 years. You really think he's going to say something to me about an unauthorized book? <laughs> so uh, 
I don't know if he thought he got a chuckle out of that or not. But anyway, so fairness to me is everything and will continue to to be as as I go forward with this project and hopefully others. Great seeing you, my man. Love talking to you. Hey, thank you, Colin. volume make sure to check out the draymond green show i brought draymond green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports unique perspective understands behind the rope also chops up with guests like gary payton zach levine tracy mcgrady make sure download the draymond green show wherever you get your podcasts only on the volume podcast network Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.